politics. Once seen and treated as a topic similar to money and religion, never to be spoken about in mixed company or at the dinner table, now infiltrates every aspect of our society. Across the political spectrum, anyone with a Twitter or Facebook account is now free to post their admiration or hate for whatever political ideology or figure they choose to. You can threaten Agent Orange in a song, thanks Sam, or you can put Fuck Trudeau bumper sticker on your truck. Each side has a calling card. The extreme left chooses oppression, racism, the patriarchy, whatever. The extreme right chooses censorship, gun ownership, violence against them, a perceived threat to their way of life, but all of this is the same mentality. Most of us reside in the middle and can keep it together. That being, that being said, let's expose our ignorance. Welcome to the political rodeo. Brad, how are you doing? And would you like to introduce our esteemed guest? Absolutely. Before we get started, this is the Canadian Lads Podcast, political rodeo style. Woo, boys, here we go. Yeah, I want to introduce our first guest, our first ever guest, Jeffrey. His name is Bo. He's our Saskatchewan correspondent. Uh, he's going to bring some insight of what's going on, not only in Saskatchewan, but with some uh, pretty unique uh, political views on what's going on in the country. Bo, how you doing tonight? Doing great, and I uh, appreciate the invite. I've uh, been pumped to come on, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to give my views and my uh, my thoughts on what's happening. Yeah, there well, definitely is a lot of stuff going on in the country. Jeff, do you want to kind of break down the episode tonight? Yeah, we'll start off with our uh, favorite topic, of course, a bit of the UFO news that has broken out in the last week. Uh, we've had some th- some things change in regards to Alberta's COVID response. And of course, we'll turn to Bo for uh, an opinion on Saskatchewan's response. And then uh, we'll see where we kind of rush right about that. So, uh, but to once again, our favorite topic du jour, uh, the Israeli space minister, I think that's what his title was. And I didn't, didn't bother writing down his name. So I probably wouldn't have been able I've to. I've got it here. It. Uh, oh, go for it. Go for it. I'm going to butcher it. Go it's, for it. Uh, Professor Haim Ished. Hama Shed has uh, come out and said that uh, he would have came out five years earlier, but uh, he is very much aware of the alien presence. Uh, they have communication with our world leaders, especially in the U.S., uh, and that uh, he has pretty much said that they are not comfortable coming forward to us because we're not ready. And on top of this, Trump knows it as well. Pretty yeah, crazy that, stuff. That- I, I think it's pretty cool, actually. And uh, maybe I'll let Bo jump in on this one because he has some insight on what uh, the Canadian, I guess, uh, equivalent of uh, Professor Hamish Ed uh, a few years back. Uh, Paul Hellyer, right? Yeah, Paul. I, I know Paul. Um, he's quite, I'm not sure his age today, but he's probably getting close to 90. He was our Canadian defense minister um, roughly through the 70s, maybe late 60s. Um, and he, he's, he's been speaking much the same stuff. Um, maybe hasn't had as much coverage. You've had to dig for it a bit, but I, I've seen him on RT news. Um, I think at one time I heard him quote, he knows of 80 species. So, um, you know, this is the second person in a high level, intelligent, uh, military country, Canada, Israel. These aren't, these aren't people, you know, in the basement on a podcast, these are, <laughs> hey, these that, are that's these, an insult yeah, yeah. we're these, those canadian lads we yeah, got it going yeah, on buddy. yeah the, you know these are these are guys holding high high level uh military status and and they're coming out so i mean 
like it or not, uh, it's got to be looked at. It's got to be thought. And I, I, there's obviously something going on here, right? Like, uh, I'm going to play on the side of it's real. Like, this is true news. It's coming out in the next couple of years. Like, his comments, look, if you're not into this kind of stuff and you haven't heard somebody, and it's been out in the mainstream media over the last couple of days. Um, I just read an article on CBC. It's been on Fox News. Um, Global News has reported it as well in Canada. Um, they're kind of like doing the old tinfoil hat thing on it. That's what the mainstream media does. Mm-hmm. But that being said, uh, there's something out there and it's continually being released to us. We're slowly being fed. We're being fed. We're being fed. And I think it's honestly a strategic approach um, to get us used to everything that's going on. Man, there's even a an alien stole Christmas show on. Uh, on <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, Netflix. My daughter oh. watched it and it's an alien stealing Christmas gifts under the tree. But. What alien they're doing propaganda. is exposing, and it's that that same alien-looking being, gray, gray, spindly arms, childlike. You know, it's. Uh, I think we're in for it in our generation. We're in for something big that's going to change uh, the rest of our lives. I'm not talking the Great Conjunction happening on uh, December 21st. The uh, the Ascension. The ascension, the ascension. for us. Yeah. That's a, we're going in the fifth dimension, Bo. I don't know yeah. if you've heard about it. Well, but. I, I heard you guys talk about that on your, your last podcast and, and I didn't dive into that rabbit hole, but <laughs> it, it sounds like, uh, we did. It sounds like, it sounds like a pretty good one. I might have to dive into because, uh, it sounds like in a, another week or week and a bit. It's we, coming. Yeah. I, I would suggest having a few beers with that one. If you want to dive deep into it. So it's, but, uh, uh but you guys are right. There is the the amount of individuals who, once again, not kooks in their basement necessarily, are coming forward and discussing the fact that there are nations with uh, information about this type of stuff. Yeah, is it a preparation for the general public in order to uh, not lose our minds once this happens? Or is it a case of uh, a bunch of guys who got burnt out at work who are just sputtering out of control? Uh, hopefully... Hopefully we'll find out soon enough, but uh, we'll find out. Well, and I mean, you know, Brad, you you kind of attest to, you know, being real, which I would agree with you. And you look at the political divide and, and how our cultures are being divided and pushed. And if you want to add that element of the, the um, you know, alien side, you know, there, there's a perfect slot there. I mean, are, are we are we being manipulated, uh, you know, from puppet strings from, from a different, like, are we just an alien ant farm down here or? or what's happening, you know, you know th- there's an element there you could, you can run with as well. Like uh, what is happening here? We're just being constantly divided. You know, it's interesting. You, you bring that up and we always, you know, there's been comments about obviously the, the great reset and the, the globalist agenda and things like that. You know, you know, I've been sitting back thinking about, okay, what's going on? What could relate to this? And, and maybe it is the globalist agenda. You know, Ronald Reagan talked about it. The biggest threat in human history that would bring everybody together would be a invasion or existence of people who are not from this planet, right? So um, at the end of the day, I think it is uh, a potential um, situation where, yeah, maybe that's why there is a potential push for a global agenda, a global push. Hell, okay, and, and, and you guys maybe jump in on this, but like, why would Trump come out all of a sudden and they he rammed Space Force down the throat of Americans? Like, it came out like that. Well, 
that was a cross uh, promotion with Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like as I said, like uh, maybe it maybe it was a preemptive move on something that somebody knew. I I can't speak to that for sure, but and it came out hard and fast, but it kind of died off. Like it was boom, you heard about it for a month. And then I, you know, his whole last year, you haven't heard much about Space Force. Like it just yeah, because they're prepping, they're yeah. prepping for the yeah, the, prep- the, the, yeah. the ascension. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're definitely they're mining the moon for uh, for the weaponry that's going to protect us from the alien force. But but there is there there is some uh, truth to what you were saying earlier. If there is going to be a unifier of the human race, it is a common enemy. Um, a certain uh, German effectively did that so it's a it's a it's a playbook that works unfortunately so we can say his name his name is adolf hitler yeah yeah absolutely yes. yeah no, uh, it, it, you create your common enemy and then theoretically you have people rushing to your side to help you out now i'm not saying that this that's this of course but but it would be pretty wild to see the the world unite against a threat well we essentially have a common threat called the coronavirus but we're not so much uniting on that one no, no, we're definitely not. We're dividing. And, we're dividing. And, and actually, that was a that was an excellent segue, Bo. You're a seasoned yeah. podcaster with that. <laughs> um, obviously, Alberta has uh, changed uh, our COVID restrictions. Um, we've had tighter restrictions come in, and uh, pretty much everything outside of picking up food on the side of the street has been shut down. Uh, malls remain open with reduced capacity. Uh, I'd like to avoid the mall at Christmas time anyways, the best of times. So that's not too bad. But uh, obviously on a personal level, everyone's Christmases are going to be very different than what we'd experienced in the past. Uh, Obviously not a great time, Um, you know, not visiting elderly parents, grandparents, children, not seeing their cousins, aunts, uncles, all that type of stuff. So it it is a bit of a bit of a change. So uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on uh, the steps that the uh, government's taken here in Alberta? Well, first of all, you know, I'm glad Bo is on here to get a, a, a kind of a prairie perspective. We were looking for somebody in Manitoba, but they're too busy wiping the tears of their uh, premier's eyes out because he ruined Christmas, apparently. You know, so we didn't want to bring anybody from that great province, you know, anyways. But that being said, no, here, case. So my perspective on the Alberta response. Uh, now you think back, why the hell were casinos, why the hell were bingo halls open? Obviously, it was generating government revenue, uh, oh, absolutely. which we're in desperate need of as well. But at the end of the day, I want to know where the areas that were super spreading during this whole, um, you know, huge outbreak in Alberta. We were surpassing Quebec and Ontario. We took the lead and then we got kicked in the nuts by the Ontario uh, health minister a couple weeks or last week. Well, that was nice of them. So hopefully we get a chance to return the favor. But uh, my perspective is this. Um, don't like it. Got to live with it. Got to get these cases down. Get that needle in my arm so I can go back to a hockey game. <laughs> That's my perspective. I think you'll be waiting till October, unfortunately. But, but Bo, uh, with Saskatchewan's uh, measures, uh, what, what are your thoughts on what that province has done? Well, uh, we, we've we kind of trailed the least uh, restrictive. Um, Scott Moe has kind of followed Kenny's lead. Uh, he's, he, you know, he's big, av- not shutting anything down, trying to keep things. Right now, uh, you can do sports. Uh, limited amount of people have to wear a mask. So if you and you've got some kids in hockey, you can go do some training, but you got to wear a mask, minimal kids on the ice. 
So they've made it so it's very difficult to do and very uncomfortable to do. Um, the stores are all still open, mandatory masks. Um, it's still not super restrictive. December 17th, he's coming out with a new announcement. He is hoping to, to take back some measures so we could maybe get kids back to sports. Our numbers are kind of, they're not really going up. They're not going down. From what I can understand, this our numbers are kind of just hovering at the same. We're not drastically running up. Um, you know, I mean, when it comes to COVID, in, in my reply is I, I, I have... It's just the media has such a grip on this and it's pumping the fear at such a, a level that I, I just think we're losing some perspective. My, I was just talking with my sister today. Her good friend's a doctor. Um, the doctor is uh, in one of the bigger hospitals out in BC. And my sister just asked her, like, what, what do you got for COVID patients in there? Like, how many? And she's like, we don't have any COVID patients. The hospital's at capacity, but it's always at capacity. So right. you, you keep hearing these trickles of uh, other people from like right in the system, nurses. And, and I mean, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but on an any given day in Alberta, you guys got 5 million people. I got to think there's probably a hundred deaths of seniors, maybe more. I don't know. But I mean, when you amplify all these numbers with all these deaths, people are dying every day, just like people are being born every day. We don't know what everyone's dying from. We know the average age is 80 years old. So, I mean, if you spin this in the right way, uh, you know, and put pump all the fear into it, it, you know, th it seems like it's just, it's got so much uh, hype behind it. Uh, I seen a, a tweet the other day and I don't know if the stats are right. The guy said literally 4% of the population is, is infected. And this is Alberta, 4% have been infected and zero four percent have died and i don't i can't say that those numbers are correct but that's what he that's what he had on there and i, I just it seems for us to completely cripple the economy have our children in masks have the psychological effects of business owners closing kids in masks people running around with a pandemic it just if this virus was like at a 15 percent or 10 percent I could see all these measures, but we're just, it just seems like there's just such a, a fear factor being pumped by the media and, and anyone who goes against the media, like Scott Moe, in my mind, you know, I think some of these premiers, but they, they know there's a beheading coming. If you, it, you'd all like, look at Kenny, that's what he essentially tried to do. Kenny tried to stand up to that media. And, and I, you know, he, he admitted that the first shutdown was a mistake and then the media made him eat his words. Like he, they just pushed him into a corner until he had to, had to adjust. You can't tell me there's not a, a media agenda with this. You know, was it, was it on the last podcast or the, the one before we talked about Dr. Hinshaw and the taped recordings of, you know, private meetings that didn't tell the entire story. So Dr. Hinshaw comes out and chastises the media group that uh, put I, that out, which is CBC. Yeah. I think she more went after the individual that leaked and the, and the individual, yeah, but individual. at the end of the day, somebody had to put it onto online the cycle. Yeah. 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 But yeah. she came out and said like, it was a betrayal of trust. You know, they're debating what's the best. Like, and she said the most important thing to me, which was the Alberta population did not vote her into power. They had voted the UCP government in and Jason Kenney with a mandate to manage the province. You know, that at the end of the day to me is 
we put put our hands or we put ourselves in their hands and they are their job is to take care of us as uh as a government to the best of their ability to keep us safe but obviously he tried to toe the line of not infringing on people's rights things like that and he he took it to the nth degree but you you hit it on the head bower it was it, it's a public beheading essentially yeah, you know yeah. they pressured him to the point where the the two mayors of the two left-wing mayors of the cities of Edmonton and Calgary um, were going to, you know, put civic uh, emergency protocols in place to, uh, you know, limit the rest- or put restrictions on us. So at the end of the day, you know, we were, you know, if you live in a major, you know, city in, in Alberta, you were going to get pooched either way. So if I could jump in for a sec, Brad, just I wanted to just touch on one thing. You, you, you know, you said Doctor Henshaw wasn't voted in, and I think if I could just kind of skirt the areas of the COVID, but this is the problem we're having and it relates to the media in my, in my um, opinion, we, we have the media now. That's the, the, the judge and jury. If they don't say it's fact, it's not fact. We, we, we run around in Canada, say we have this great democracy and, and essentially a democracy are people voting in local government, city, provincial, federal, but yet we're taking rules and, and everything's coming from government and or not government, uh, world global entities, the UN, uh, the World Health Organization. So all these outside governments outside of Canada are making rulings and telling us what we need to do here. And it's 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 really starting to get, in my opinion, Canadians need to ask themselves, are you in a democracy? I don't I don't know if we are. We're not we're not being governed by the locals. We're we're being governed by the who and the UN and, and, uh, the media. What's your thought on that, Jeff? Well, I, I guess I would add like, so a uh, few things, uh, some interesting things in there. Um, I guess let's start with, uh, the media generality. Um, I guess in regards to any, uh, conspiracy that the, the media is dictating and, uh, changing government response and things of that nature. And they they have a narrative. Um, at the end of the day, much like I think about any politician, uh, everyone's got an end goal for the end of the day. And regardless of you say it's quote unquote news, I don't think it's a necessarily in a control factor. I think it's eyeballs on screens to sell advertising. And I think there's a, a personal responsibility in order to kind of differentiate where you want to get your information from. Now, there's lots of sources and there's different levels in which these companies kind of market themselves in regards to. But it's agenda kind of, based, Jeff. Well, no, the agenda is making money. Yeah, but you can't tell me you turn on CNN and that they're. I don't their watch agendas. I don't watch yeah, CNN see, or Fox. I'll flip. Or anything, so. I'll, I'll flip back and forth between both, and like, you know, it, CNN specifically in the states, it, it's it's almost criminal. It I'm is. not going to lie. It, it, it's almost criminal what they the way they portray one side of the fence versus the other. Well, if I can to, just, just to quickly prove my point about CNN and then I'll let you go about um, yeah. upon Trump winning the election, CNN won the contract for all the airport television rights in the United States. And it's because they were touting a message that the general population was interested in seeing, especially when the major airports are on the coastal sides where those States are kind of, once again, it's a monetary thing in my opinion, but, but Bo, go ahead. Well, uh, just to jump in on the, I'm going to stick to the Canadian side. Uh, You know, we know that the the liberal government has paid the mainstream CBC, CTV, Global. They they all have a 
I, I don't know the exact number, but it's in the billions. I think 600 million to a billion. It's it's up there. The number's huge. It's big. We have Aaron O'Toole who campaigned on defunding the CBC. I don't know if he'll do that. I hope he does. Um, but you have, once again, two two narratives. That they know who feeds them. Um, the the left, the the liberal, the whatever you want to call it, the, the, that side is... Uh, they're using our mainstream media to run their narrative 100% in my opinion. I mean, you're right to advertise, but actually when it comes to the CBC, without the without the federal government propping them up, Rebel Media pulls more viewers. Rebel Me- the, uh, True North pulls view- more view- the the CBC when you pull the stats, they're an absolute disaster. They wouldn't make a week without the funding from us. So Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to argue with you that CBC is uh, a source train that I go to. Yeah. Every time I see Rosie Barton, I just want to turn the TV off, so I do. But it's not just the CBC. It's CTV, Global. Uh, they all run the same bullshit. But the, and they're, they're, back, to, back to your thing about the government, the government did bail out a lot of the media entities in Canada. And the fact of the matter is, and you made the comment earlier during the UFO discussion, is that anything Canadian doesn't make a lot of waves. No. And as a, as a result, once again, I'll go to the monetary thing. Our... Entities like Chorus, which I believe owns Global. Uh, who owns the ju- uh, Journal and Sun in Edmonton? Um, Post Post Media. Post Media, whatever. Yep. It's just like, yeah, even even with advertising dollars, uh, subscriptions are down across the board. Uh, pretty much any media entity in Canada is going to re- require a bailout at some point or another. And I, I don't know the distribution and how that went about. I do know that they just sent out a bunch of dollars. And quite frankly, I'm not huge on tax dollars bailing out. Uh, private industry but it's uh yeah they they went out there and yeah it's hard it's hard to say that like oh just because we received a bunch of money we're not going to tout a government response but once that transitions into a potentially different government is it going to remain the same thing and that's a good question i i I know with certain hot spot stories like the the hunter biden emails and laptop that didn't get touched by the mainstream media today a major story broke but that that story's dead bo well, it, nobody's it, talking about it. I know because the mainstream, you know, it, it, when it first came out, it it wasn't dead. It was pretty lively, and there's a lot of weird shit to it. I mean, I'm not a I'm not an expert on it, but I did read some on it. it if it was a Trump, if it was a Trump son's email, uh, laptop, it, we'd still be talking about it. Yeah, I'm surprised those boys made it through four years. To be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're fine but yeah no you're, you're right that, that story died uh so and it, it, died, really, it had a lot of it didn't uh it, once the once it became and you're probably right to a certain extent uh who was touting that message and who was telling that story once once the election coverage wasn't going to have it, it it died effectively so that's right but it, 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 there is this in my opinion there's a heavy bias in certain areas and back and, and trying to stick to Canada and I guess back to our original point of all this is uh, covid Kenny the media um, you know I just I see Canada uh, even back to what I say our, our, our democracy our I mean I just I don't really see everything working the way it's supposed to work I, I see flaws I see I see these big entities. Um, having more stroke in our democracy than they should. Uh, I've said this to Brad a few times. I'll just quickly put it in. Um, you know, for a long time, the left versus right, the conservative versus the liberal, and all the those uh, agendas of you know LGBTQ to um, 
to abortion, to all these these trigger points that would be an argument on either side. To me, those are dead. They're all dead. The argument of the day is, are you a nationalist populist for sovereignty or are you for global government? That's where we need to start asking people, what do you want? Do you want outside uh, unelected people governing your country or do you want your country governed by the people that you vote for and and have a say and watch? It doesn't mean kill off all global trade or anything, but do, we have to start thinking more of a, a nationalist view uh, with fair trade and, and and start looking after our own before we start letting every uh, UN, like the UN uh, agenda 21s and agenda 30s and half these pipelines and all this stuff for Alberta hurry. That's all UN driven initiatives. These are these are outside of our country making rulings in here. Why we why can't run, we can't run a pipeline somewhere? It's affecting us. Well, I would probably say like now, obviously, there are global entities that offer advice and they are driving uh, the will of the global population to a certain extent. Like, obviously, if we don't have and keep in mind, the CDC is an American entity and the WHO is the world uh, health version of something along those same lines. But if if we don't have a global uh, community that is aiding other countries, uh, helping set some decision making, pass on information, if are we going to segregate ourselves like early communist China, where we don't actually receive any information from the outside world, no outside influence. And as a result, we have a diminishing middle class uh, or a ruling elite, I guess you could say, because that's a term that always gets used. And then a bunch of people who are well below the poverty line. So where do you draw the line, I guess? Yeah. And you make a good point. I mean, I'm saying at the end of the day, we've we've allowed that system to work, but that system has grown. It seems to me like it's it's tentacles have now become a little too much. We need we need to kind of take a step back and go, Okay, you know, the UN, the purpose of it, why it was there, you know, the whole purpose of United Nations, it all has a good a good reason for being there. But um you know, when they start driving major policies within your own country that hurts your uh, resource sector and your and your country's ability to create wealth, then we have to start asking, you know, where do we draw the line? And, well, I, and obviously we're sitting here in Western Canada where, you know, resources are, are is life. Of our is, economy, yeah. Yeah, it's the driver of our economy. And in a sense, we've been, you know, targeted uh, by certain agendas. And now, you know, we're on our knees waiting for some sort of, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know what turns this around, but um, I don't need somebody in the United Nations telling me that I can't build a pipeline to BC or um, a pipeline to uh, the Atlantic regions of Canada um, to utilize our own resources, um, whereas we're importing from, you know, dirty oil essentially in our my opinion our our oil is the safest to produce whereas we're pulling it in from places that's uh you know their their human rights records are terrible you know it costs a ton to bring it here um we could be doing a lot better as a country to um take care of ourselves and that includes taking care of each other in regards to health care and social programs and everything that you know everybody on i think either side of the fence we're we're not the states we're not you know left all the way left all the way right but you know i i think at the end of the day we really have to come together now and say okay where's 
what's a good fit for Canada and what's the best deal for Canada to move forward? Well, I'd like to ask you two a question just quick. Um, and I, I would get your opinion on it. So would you agree when Trudeau and the liberals and all, all these lefties come out and say, um, we're going to, we're going to phase out all the resources. That's not what we want to be doing. And we're going to transition into these other things. And, and I, I get all that. And I, I do have, I, I support clean energy to, you know, and a clean environment, but essentially we have a petrodollar. Our dollar carries value on our resource sector. Oil goes to $120 a barrel. We had a dollar worth more than the American. So by saying that he's essentially saying I'm devaluing our, our petrodollar, like our, 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 our dollar determines our, um, uh, our standard of living. And if you're going to totally behead the goose that lays the golden egg, are you not basically saying we're going to lower your standard of living in the same sentence? I mean, it's, it, to me, it's like, we we're not, uh, those resources play a huge factor for us. I mean, they're not just a tiny little part of Canada. I mean, we're not at Germany. We're not a Japan. We don't manufacture everything in the world like those major major manufacturers we make ski doos and skidoos, yeah. buddy well i don't even know if we make those anymore they might have been a bombardier you shut down a bunch of stuff so <laughs> i mean gonna, they're gonna get bailed but, out because they're quebec my question to you you know my question to you two would you agree like we our, our dollar ride it's technically a petrol currency in, in terms to a lot of economists they they would refer to canada as having a petrol currency and if our, we have one those resources are tied to the to the standard of living that we have. Jeff, you go first. I was going to tell you to go first, but you go first. Uh, yeah, I can go first. Um, I would, I'm probably not going. I'm not going to say I disagree 100 because you're right. We are our economy is based on the petrol dollar due to the fact that uh, Western Canada produces so much energy. Um, my thoughts necessarily aren't that it's an attack per se on that thing. Um, and the reason I say that is because. Regardless of economy, we are heading in a direction that's going to change where our energy levels come from. Now, with that, uh, I'm going to use an example out of California. And I know it's not Canadian, but it's out of California. So for any of their nuclear energy or any other alternative energy sources they use, especially the solar farms, uh, because of the fact that those energy sources go down and don't always deliver, those uh, companies that supply that, that energy to the public has to buy the same amount of energy from oil and gas. So effectively, because they do that, they are actually also propping up the energy sector from a, from the natural means way. Because they're purchasing all that energy, it just keeps it flowing anyways. Um, I would also point out that uh, I believe it's about 30% of any of the oil uh, coming out of Alberta, it, only 30% of it is used for fuel. The remaining uh, 70% is going to be used for polymers, plastics, anything along those lines. So there's always going to be a market for that type of stuff as well, regardless of any green energy deals that we're kind of looking at. And I'd probably say, going back to my point about this is just the natural order of things to a certain extent, is that the hit was going to come eventually. Now, is it being expedited a little bit? Possibly. Is it being brought forward and that's maybe a good thing or a bad thing? I, I can't say that for sure. I just know that I see the hit that's taking place in Alberta while we try to adjust to that. So I, my yeah. opinion is this though, like you, you kind of touch on it, you know, when you talk about a timeline, I, I feel like they're rushing it. Obviously they're trying to hit 
you know, certain emission uh, targets, things like that as a government, a Canadian government. But there's no working together with the province of Alberta. There's no, you know, there's no transition plan. It's basically trying to push a green a new green deal in a Canadian term uh, as hard and fast as they potentially can. And it's, it's hurt. It's going to hurt the economy long-term. Yeah. It, it, they are, it is being pushed quickly. And as I said, I, I can't necessarily speak to the fact that it's too fast or too slow, but uh, going back to the point about the pipeline, not being able to be built out to the Atlantic provinces. Like I, I don't, it seems to me that factor is more based upon the Quebec government not wanting to work with the Alberta government or maybe even the federal government in that regard. Like we did, our federal government did waste four billion on a pipeline that uh, isn't operational and may or may not ever become operational. So who knows why? But, but uh, I, I do agree. I, I think there is not a lot of work being done with the province of Alberta, regardless of that type of stuff. And as a result, it's things are stagnant to a certain extent. Well, first of all, like. Canada first to take from Trumpies America first. Uh, Quebec, the whole the whole country should be running on El- Canadian oil and gas, and then Absolutely. whatever whatever surplus after that goes Jesus, to Mars. We all agree on that. Wow, that awesome. that, that goes oh, that's, to Mars, com- right? That's common yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 Second of all, uh, when we talk global orders and global UNs and all this, you know, if you if you look around, it seems like Canada. It's got its foot on it. There's a foot on our throat. Like China's building, I don't know the exact number, but they say hundreds of coal-powered plant plants are going up. Saudi Arabia, uh, all these Middle East countries don't. Nobody, nobody's running around there with Greenpeace signs. Nobody's running around there blocking rail. Nobody's doing any of that in any of these countries. Canada, we, even the U.S., even the U.S., who were most like we're most attached to and our cultures are most the same. The U S is nowhere near under the same scrutiny as Canada. Canada seems to be uh, in the corner getting shit kicked. And uh, you know, I, I, to me, it's, it's almost a, a full blown attack here. I don't you know. It's interesting. You know, you bring that up because uh, there's a lot of U S interest groups, you know, that are funded. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and it's been proven. The tide. That- the dirty oil, the tar sands, the the whole you know media and, and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. right. So, and it's not even conspiracy; it's been documented. It's all there, right? Like it's that's not a conspiracy theory. Yeah. That's just fact. That's that. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, but once again, I I will go like, and I I I agree with you. Canada, to a certain extent, is uh, a whipping boy, um, and it's possibly due to the fact that we. Um, Maybe it's our government. Maybe it's our the outlook of pe- that people have on Canadians is that we're not really going to push back all that much. And I probably would say that's more of a governmental response, which I, I think the government should push back. Um, but yeah, now as a result, it kind of gets kind of get beat up a little bit, right? The old big time. Well, Quebec. Just look at Quebec. Like we don't even have provinces that are willing to help us out. Like Alberta, not being an Alberta boy, you guys are, but being right next to it. Um, you know, it, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Alberta has pumped billions into this country. Um, Quebec has the best socialist system going. Daycares are paid for. Uh, all sorts of shits paid for out there that we don't get. Uh, all on the Alberta dime. And then when you guys want to run a pipeline, Energy East that way, you get a big fuck you. 
So, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the the country... We're 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 looked at as a bunch of redneck cowboys and we're told to go F ourselves and, you know, why would we want to help you, Alberta? And it's like, well... It's it's like the article that came out the other day from the Ottawa University of Ottawa professor, you know, don't help Alberta during their COVID response, you know, make them pay for themselves. It's like, that's the most un-Canadian thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, yeah. we're we're throwing ventilators at people and masks during the beginning of this. And now we're getting we're in the corner again, getting shit kicked. Well, you make a good point, Brett. I, I honestly, when all, when things went south, I kind of thought, you know, not with COVID, but more the economy and the way Alberta was getting slapped around. I had the impression that no, no, Alberta won't take this. Alberta is the Texas of Canada. Alberta is going to, it's going to stick its chest out. It's going to flex its muscle and it's going to get its way. But I came to realize that that Alberta doesn't exist. Like I thought it did. It's, it's been, it's been diluted. And it's not the same Alberta it used to be. It's not. It's just not. And I, I, I came to realization that Alberta is not going to, to lead or be able to win this fight. It's, it's, it's. Well, Alberta's changed. Both. It's changed. I don't. You know, I, it has been an, in, an influx of, you know, in, in the population from across con- the, yeah. the country during the boom times. But it's you the- know it's changed the politics of our of our province. Hell, we. We went NDP only, you know, what, three years ago. And you might go again after Kenny's, Kenny's uh, COVID response. <laughs> you know what? If the Alberta party doesn't have a have a rise, which is a new political party, and I think it's more of a centralist party, if they if they don't have a rise in, in number of seats in the in the legislature coming up in the next election, I'll be super disappointed. You know, you need options, and it just can't be one side or the other. We don't need a two-party system, um, and, and that's what we've kind of gone to in Alberta. Um, but you know, you've seen the change. You had left-wing governments in Saskatchewan for years. Oh yeah, oh, everybody's yeah. sucking off the government yeah. tit for forever. Yeah. And, and you know what, Sasky, I did a little research. Like, there's, I think, through the '40s to the '60s, it was the most socialist area in North America, by far, Canada and the U.S. It, it was a very a socialist uh, province. Um, ever since they got rid of that, um, got rid of the NDP. We've had the SAS party. They, their last election was just a month or uh, maybe two months ago. They won a, a major majority. Uh, the NDP and the media thought they were going to pull a little bit more of a win than they did or at least get more seats. No, it didn't happen. Lost seats. Um, and Saskatchewan now is kind of the beacon, you know, in all of Canada for that for that beacon that Alberta held for so long. Like, I'm not saying that Alberta has lost it, but it, Saski has grabbed its own little token and and it's holding it up too and i i mean even scott mo like the, down in estevan which you would know brad uh the buffalo party uh was leading second the whole time like there's pockets where the buffalo party uh it holds rank here like the buffalo party the next time around like there's people who are pissed at mo like even myself who contributed to the sas party who's a supporter who calls his M- mp uh, you know, I'm not that happy with the SAS party and the response with COVID and, 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 but it is what it is. I am glad I don't have Brian Pallister out here, but, uh, yeah, he'd be crying still. Oh, <laughs> but I mean the Buffalo party, everyone laughs and giggles, but I mean, as, as we move forward, the Buffalo party could become a, a real threat. I I'm just so happy that I'm on a podcast that somebody referenced the Buffalo party. Finally. Go, go Buffalo. <laughs> hey, what, is the Buffalo party not in Alberta? 
It's there, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's. Uh, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw it on a ballot, but yeah, no. The the Buffalo Party has run through here. Yeah, for sure. You know, in all seriousness, no. You know, if you look at you know a party, the Buffalo Party, and Bo, correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of got separatist um, ties, does it not? Well, yeah, yeah. They 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 had a, uh, you know, what Jeff was laughing at. You guys had an Alberta guy running it. Uh, well, no, it was called Waxit. Sorry, sorry, it was called Waxit, and uh, and, Al- and that guy was a loon. By the he way, he was a loon. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, so that Waxit kind of formed into the Buffalo Party, and then an ex Harper MP, twenty uh, year guy in Ottawa. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but uh, very big veteran in Ottawa holds a name, holds experience. He's taken the reins of the Buffalo Party, and um, um, you know the Waxit. Yeah, you're essentially Waxit uh, formed into the Buffalo Party. You know, it's interesting. You know, if you look at the centers uh, in Alberta, you know, you got Edmonton. It's a very orange NDP driven government center. A lot of government workers. Um, Calgary, not so much. Very blue conservative, you know, free enterprise type, you know, um, you know, uh, driven politics. And then you get rural Alberta again, more conservative, but those people in rural Alberta are probably hurting the most. Um, the ones that are in, you know, the resource driven, you know, uh, outlets based like Red Deer mm-hmm. and you've got also, uh, you know, White Court and areas like that. Those in Drayton Valley, these towns are dying and these people are looking for some hope and some help and it all comes down. They want to work and they want, they, they, they want to get back out there. So, yeah, if somebody in this Buffalo party comes out with who's not a loon, um, well, and comes they're... out with with their shoes tied and says a few you know good things, they're gonna yeah. they they could do some serious damage within the uh, the political uh, ranks in Alberta. Well, I I think you hit the nail on the head in regards to the fact that uh, there needs to be a more not centralist response necessarily, although that's kind of what I would be craving for. But there needs to be a response that speaks to the uh, larger section of the general population. Like the NDP in Alberta really just kind of filled a void because everyone was kind of tired of the conservative reign. Uh, the fact that the the government was effectively doing whatever they held they wanted. We had Stelmack, who was horrific. And not just, or not not Lee. Uh, what was the Redford? Redford. Redford. Uh, yeah. It, it, it was, and it was just because that that party had effectively just felt that it had free reign. It, that nobody was ever going to topple them down. Well, the NDP could have been anyone else. The only thing is that the NDP were mobilized and kind of ready to campaign and do it right. So they filled that void for voters who were kind of like, oh, I'm just kind of tired of the same old story. Now, would that party speak to the general population in regards to what they want to see out of their government? Yeah, there's always going to be people who think that. But I think if you had a centralist, uh, I'll call it fiscally conservative, socially liberal party, and people, I think they would grab a lot of the voters within Alberta. If I could jump in, um, you know, what what we're talking about here for a second, there's a huge problem. And it's you see it with COVID as well. It's public versus private. You know, we have a lot of the public sector, teachers, nurses, everybody collecting a guaranteed check, screaming, shut it down, shut it down, shut it all down. We got to shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down, right? Like these people are collecting checks uh, all all through this, watching their Netflix, still getting full pay, 
uh, knowing their jobs there, their pension's still growing, their sick days are still there, everything's still there. There's absolutely no, there's nothing but sit at home and watch Netflix for them and collect a wage. Uh, you get private business owners that they're losing sleep. You know, they're, 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 there's a lot of stress for a lot of people in the private sector. And then back to the voting, right? When the, a Buffalo party comes in, the you get Edmonton and, and uh, Calgary, all these public sector people working they have no they they want to be tied to the big nanny state the big the federal government gives them all their money for health care there so we have a divide versus private versus public just like we have city versus rural and and the public versus private is um you know that divides just getting worse and worse just because it's a two-tiered system you know jeff i assume you work in the you don't have to, you know i know you, uh, you work in the private sector yeah right? that's correct right so i mean we all work in the private sector. We know what the private sector is like. The private is a pretty heavy private sector podcast. Yeah. So I mean, there. You know. Oh, I made it. I made it. I made it through this month. Uh, hopefully, make it through the next month. Uh, you know. Did I, oh, I made that year. You know. There's no thirty year term here where oh my pension's growing, everything's great. I get my two, three, four percent. So there's two tiers and that, that other tier keeps growing and growing and growing. That's why Edmonton's all orange. That's why Calgary's partly orange. And, and as these sectors grow and they get bigger, like a, like a, a virus, the, the rural and the private are just pushed to the outskirts. And then it's, the, it's, it's that parasite that has choked out the host and, and us in the private sector is the host. We're paying in, we're the private entity, the private business, the, the privates are paying in. I mean, if you're a nurse, a police or a fireman and you say, well, I pay my taxes. Yeah, but you're paid off the tax system. You're not, genera- you're not generating wealth within the system. You're paid off the, the, the generation of wealth within the system. Because Fort McMurray's there and there's Suncor and Syncrude and all these people making 200 a year and they're paying taxes. That's why we have nine fire halls in Fort McMurray. That's why. Like, so there's a real disconnect here. And, and until we get people, you know, in my, I, I heard our, our, our radio host in Saskatchewan, John Gormley say it, you know what, if you're, if you're calling for a shutdown and you want a shutdown and you're, and you're private or public sector, guess what, bud, you're unemployed. You're not collecting the check. You can uh, sit out like the rest of us. And uh, all valid points, in my opinion, Bo. Uh, obviously, there's um, the people who strike out. And I'm talking about more about small business owners. They they put up their own capital. They, they accept the risk in regards to their future being on the line by their own business. And I have all the respect in the world for people who strike out on their own. It's, uh, it, it's a heavy burden to, uh, to carry. And for those individuals who take those risks, hopefully you make it and hopefully you succeed and not, not just make it, but actually provide a great living for your family and everything like that. Um, I, I guess the, the counterpoint I will say, and I'm not necessarily saying that because, well, maybe I won't state my opinion necessarily about all unions or teachers or nurses, doctors, because, but there is a segment of our population that does have to fulfill the role of um, caretaker. 100%. To a certain extent, a certain extent. And, and that's the, that's the role these individuals take. Um, so although there has to be a balance in regards to like, well, yeah, you're you're paid via the tax system that's generated by the people who take the risk. Uh, hopefully you're taking care of those people uh, along the way as a result of that. And I, I think that's all possible as long as not everyone considers every vote a self-serving vote. So if you're part of. Um, let's say you're a staunch capitalist 
but uh, not enough money is possibly going into uh, sectors like uh, helping out the homeless, uh, getting drugs and alcohol addiction under control to a certain extent. Now, I, I do believe that's a huge family matter and family has to pitch into those type of things. But you don't have to necessarily always vote for the candidate that's going to be like, well, that guy's going to give me tax cuts and I'm going to thrive a little bit more and maybe not give more into the system. Just like if I was a, let's call it part of a teacher in the teachers union, I might not like the message necessarily from a party like the NDP, but because I think that maybe it's more important at this point in time to do those tax cuts or maybe not receive a raise for three years. And uh, some people would say, well, it's hypocritical for you to say that. Well, you know, it's easy to say you're not taking a raise for three years, but like you alluded to, I work in the private sector and yeah, I I've gone three or four years at a time without a raise. And that's the way it's been because you know, I, it, it wasn't a profitable business to a certain extent. I, I want, I want to jump in here on that. And, and you kind of touch on a kind of a key point and I, I've brought it up in a previous podcast, you know, uh, with Jason Kenny, the UCP government, they came out with a, a, uh, you know, a, a fiscally sound, um, uh, platform. I'm a fan of that. I, I'm pro business, you know, want to grow, you know, Alberta, you know, if you think about where Alberta has come from, um, from the start, it was prairie land, it was farmland, it was farmers, you know, people who built, you know, great, you know, we were the prairies. We, we were, we're an industrious people. I'm trying to get to, I'm trying to get my words out tonight. I can't get them out together. But, it's this podcast is so serious tonight. I had to <laughs> bring it in and rein it in, but I've know, got a funny way to wrap it up, but keep going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, so here's the thing, like Alberta is an industrious, you know, province, all that kind of good stuff. That's what kind of goes back to the centralist type government, you know, fiscally responsible, socially responsible, all this good stuff. That's where I need from my own personal family standpoint, um, with, you know, the needs of what I need for, you know, my children and the health needs of them. But I also want a province that's going to invest in people that are going to create jobs. And I don't see that with the NDP. We didn't see it for four years when they were in power. And now they're just honestly uh, slinging mud as every day, every chance they get. And I don't think that it would be so vile as it is with the the UCP, if the UCP was sitting on the other side of the fence, I don't think it would be as vile and as vocal as it is right now with regards to our COVID response and and everything like that. It's such a it, politicized now topic, kind of tying back into the beginning when we talk, started talking about COVID. It's a politicized topic. People are trying to you know gain ground, and I get that's what you need to do when you are in politics. But uh, I think kind of set, setting back. If that Alberta party, which we haven't heard a lot from during, you know, the last 10 months during the pandemic, I think they're playing their cards right. I think they're going to sit back, wait for these two guys, you know, Notley and and Kenny to, to fight it out in the in the public forum and then step in and say, OK, these guys are, you know, they're old news. We're well, the new the new wave. Here we come. And uh, this is free political advice to whomever that party is going to be. But you're right. The response from the NDP criticizing the UCP government and quite frankly, this is all across the world, maybe more North America than the rest. But but politics now is entertainment. 
it, it's not enough to have uh, a political discourse and a disagreement. It's you have to be insulting along the way because that riles up the support group. And somebody steps in after a little bit of this. And I'm not saying Kenny hasn't been doing this, but a little bit of stoicism is going to attract a lot of people where it's just like, I'm not going to give you a blasting emotional response, but I'll give you a response based upon some arithmetic, some actual policy thoughts, something that's going to just kind of like, hey, I might be right about this without screaming my head off. Uh, quick question for both of you. So 2020, going into 2021 real quick, 2030, that's a decade. We don't, we all know how quick a decade goes. Oh, we'll be being butt probed by aliens. By <laughs> I'll, I'll, no, be, I'll be dead. I'll, <laughs> it, aliens aside, and Jeff, you're still ticking. Is, is, is Alberta, Saskatchewan, is Canada whole or is, is there going to be a breakup in 10 years? Do you think we will be the same country or do you foresee, um, a separation of any kind? I, I don't believe so. I, much like Quebec in the early nineties, uh, I think it's gonna, I think it will peter out eventually, but I think it will peter out based upon a national response of, hey, we're all going to start working together. We're going to unify a little bit. And I believe that's what will quell that conversation. Yeah, I don't think there's leadership in place right now across the country that's that unifying, you know, um, standpoint. I hope Aaron O'Toole is from a conservative standpoint. I don't know if he's that guy, but definitely Trudeau is not. He's definitely not. You know, uh, he keeps stoking the flames of of Alberta's displeasure, and he he's got to stop it because he's playing a dangerous game with people. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't think we're gonna get to that point, Bo. But uh, that being said, at one point, this country will not remain the same for the forever. Well, you know, there's there's reports, there's academics that have have talked about it. There's going to be shifts in, you know, the way the world works. Right. And uh we're only, I don't know. We're only 152 or 53 years old. We're a baby, right? China, I think China's thousands of years old, right? I'm I'm guessing we may be a, a province of China by then. But. okay we we are running out of time but you (laughs) what did you just say we'll definitely revisit that in 2030 yeah yeah if we're doing those canadian lads podcast in 2030 we'll uh we'll be uh obviously uh praising our uh communist overloads before we start (laughs) well Man, that threw me for a loop. I got to be <laughs> the natural progression would have been the United States. But well, sure. yeah, yeah. No, no, I hear you. I hear. You. I hope it is United States. I really do. Um, so, I hope it's ahead. the reptilians. To be honest, <laughs> I think it, I, I just think it will be. <laughs> and, uh, that's hilarious. So obviously, uh, we we don't want to bore our listeners for too long, and we'll definitely. Um, bring Bo back on for some additional political commentary because this is fun. But I um, I did want to bring up a story that I couldn't help but laugh at. And part of it is by the pure fact that I don't particularly like this individual. And it's nothing to do with any politics. But Is it a story I wrote? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. But, okay. <laughs> uh, but Mark I don't write Don- stories, so I'm good. <laughs> uh, Mark Donnelly, uh, the semi-anthem singer for the Calgary Canucks, has been Oh, fired. yeah. Due to Did the, you say the Calgary Canucks, did I say Calgary Canucks? Shit, Vancouver Canucks. I, I sincerely apologize 
Yeah, geez, Louise. Uh, Mark Donnelly's been fired by the Canucks uh, due to the fact that he went and sang "O Canada" at a um, anti-mask uh, freedom, rally. Freedom rally. It's a it's a freedom, freedom rally, rally, whatever you want to call it. Um, before I go into my little tirade about Mark, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on his firing? Go ahead, Bo. Ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, the guy wants to sing at a freedom rally, and the Canucks the Canucks fire him. I. I I totally, totally, uh, yeah, disgusting. Okay, disgust. this is again, this is the exact same shit that we talked about in our last podcast. Bo, you may have tuned in on it. Penguin Publishing. Oh, don't hire this guy. Don't write yeah. Jordan Peterson's book. Oh, it offends me. Oh, yeah. it's a business. That's right. This guy? Probably shouldn't have sang at a freedom rally if he wanted to keep his job. You got to know who your audience is. It's BC. Somebody's going to cry foul. Well, then he fell on the ice. Like, like, come on. He's the guy who skates around the ice. And uh, he's, 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 stole a my, loon. he's stole my thunder. I was going to say he should have been fired for that a long time ago. That's why, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I detest the guy. Like, first off, that was a that was a whole setup. That was complete bullshit. He knew where that red carpet was. Two, we tried to steal the thing that we did here in Edmonton at the Oilers game, singing "O Canada" and taking over for the anthem singer. So screw you for stealing our our shit. Taken away from Paul Luriel, God rest his soul. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know what God history. Yeah, but I I will say that I although I did it was a career limiting move. He was already only singing a, a portion of the Canucks games any longer. They'd already moved on from him to a certain extent. But I I will say that. Uh, I do believe it was the Canucks protecting their wallet to a certain extent. Again, nobody wants to see that guy for the most part at a Canucks game, especially in Vancouver. Now that he's done that, well, I don't. As I said I'm all for freedom of speech. It's totally up to him. Hundred percent. Canucks moved on, so all good. I mean, any yeah. the cancel call the cancel culture. I mean, it's just we can't get. In my opinion, you can't give it any. You know, we can't be canceling people. You know, Don Cherry, another one who uh, took a bullet for for what for what. For what? For for asking to get a poppy? Uncle Don was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And to be honest, and I'm a hockey fan, and I did like John Don Cherry. He was a little bit past his expiry date, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think that's more of the case. But the time had passed by. Much like the guy who owned, much like the guy who owned the LA Clippers, who he had said he didn't want his African American girlfriend hanging out with other black people, but. He would, uh, if you go back 30 years, he was probably the most progressive guy in the 70s and 80s. Well, but what happened? So what, time what, what happened to the ratings after Don was gone? Oh, they went away. Well, so so that counterdicts what you just said, Brad. The ratings were gone after Don, so Don really wasn't past his time. People were pissed. They liked Don. Don's nostalgia is Canadiana or, or whatever you want to call it. it is, well, this it is, is the you know, Canadian Canadian so, Labs podcast. So if, we love talking Canadian. If Don left and the ratings dropped, then he wasn't past his prime. Yeah, but Bo, you know what? Huawei, Huawei is the sponsor. That's all I have to say, Brad. But you know what? I'm I'm really looking forward to our next podcast with Bo when we bring him back, um, because I want to come to the these, are, these are these are these are interesting things to talk about. We've got a, a an entity in Huawei. 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 Uh, is that how you pronounce it? Huawei. Huawei. Yeah. Huawei. Huawei, Huawei. I'll, I'll trust you guys to say the right thing. Okay, Huawei. Um, that's going through a lot of, you know, there's 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 espionage type stuff going on. 
behind the scenes. And well, big time. to be honest, when there's smoke, there's fire. And they have got their name plastered on the biggest viewed television show in Canada every Saturday night. So that's very interesting. But that's probably another topic for another time. Interesting and and disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) Much like the shocking underwear Brad was was referencing in the last podcast. Oh, yeah. They still haven't learned to wipe good enough yet. I, I don't know. I'd be I'd be happy to hit the whiskey, the whiskey night. Yeah, we'll have to have oh. you back on whiskey, and uh, we can't do cigars inside, so maybe we'll do cigar nights in an outdoor oh, version. I, I, I'll be there I, in the summer. I set the garage up just with for, for the odd cigar night, but the wife, the wife, I aired out after, and she's all right. <laughs> the, the sad the sad thing is, is when we do do a whiskey tasting event, I'm going to have to send the bottles to Brad. So. <laughs> maybe I'll be drinking by then again. Yeah, I know if I put one drink in me right now, it's going to be uh, hit the floor. Oh, man. Yeah. Paralyzer. Paralyzer night. Never drink paralyzers. They're the worst. That was disgusting. All right. Well, as I said, I think we've uh, given our listeners a good hour of political political charge debate and some some, uh, thoughts for them to consider and digest. I'm going to, I want to throw one question out to Bo before we close up Bo in your experience. It's uh, your first podcast experience. Um, You've talked about a podcast and being a podcaster in the past. Is this something you're going to pursue for the, the great listeners of Canada and specifically uh, the listeners in Saskatchewan? Uh, I think it might be, I think 2021, I'm going to have to find something. Twitter's Twitter's destroying my mind right now and, and, and the social media. So I have to, I have to find a new outlet. And uh, I'm thinking maybe I got a few other guys that uh, are quite uh, good at commentary. We may we may have to get a, a a podcast going. All right. Well, we look at we look forward to being guests on oh, that uh, sure, sure. on that podcast for sure. Oh, definitely look forward to listening. So yeah, anyway. thank you for joining us tonight. It was yeah. really fun. I thanks, really enjoyed. Thanks that. for the invite. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was wonderful. Thanks a lot for coming on, Bo. Yep. Brad, Brad, thank you as always. Have yourself a great night. And listeners, thanks for tuning in to the uh, Those Canadian Lads podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. We're now on Instagram. We've got no followers. It's awesome. <laughs> and we have a new Facebook page, which we do have a bunch of followers. So apparently people do look at Facebook. Not me. Not me. I don't have All right. Facebook. Okay, everybody. Well, thank you again for joining. Jeff, Bo, everybody, yes. have a great night. <laughs>